Hello, everyone. It's been a little while since we were on the air, you know, summer vacation. So we took a little break in the downtime of the offseason. But now we're about two months from the start of the NFL season. We came back for another podcast, another episode of the Bull Take Scouting Podcast. And we've got a pretty interesting topic for you today. And that's going to be highlighting some of the second year breakout candidates that we see ahead of the 2022 NFL season. Yeah, so um, before we hop into ours, I wanted to throw out that I've seen some people listing guys like Patrick Sertan as breakout candidates. They've already broken out, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a stellar rookie season, and he was the first one that came to mind for me uh, that I've seen listed as a breakout candidate. We're going guys that didn't really have the best rookie season, uh, but we expect to take a nice big jump uh, in their second season as a pro. So, Costa, I'll let you start off with your first uh, breakout candidate. Yeah, I'm going to go someone pretty obvious that we've been seeing everywhere. And I think it's obvious because it just makes so much sense. And that's Rashad Bateman, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. He's a guy that I loved coming out. I had a early to mid first round grade on him. I think he is a terrific route runner, and that bodes really well for transitioning to the NFL. He just had a really injury plagued rookie season he was he I think he had a groin injury that kept uh, nagging at him it made him miss like uh, maybe six games or so getting put on the pup list at the beginning of the season and then when he came on you know he was productive he just he wasn't that flashy there weren't many touchdowns so I don't think many people noticed that he was making an impact when he was back and then the reason why so many people expect him to break out is that he is now the wide receiver one on that team they traded away Marquise Brown and at Beyond Bateman, there is Devin Duvernay, there is James Prochet, but it's a really light wide receiver room that I think he's going to headline, and he's going to have a, a big breakout year and maybe even double the amount of yards he has, going eclipsing 1,000 yards this season. Yeah, and I think he's really going to benefit from that run-first Ravens offense, even though that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but the defenses playing the Ravens are going to be focused so much on the run, and I think that's going to allow him to not get as much attention um, from the defense and allow him to, you know, really break out uh, in his second year and his first year as the wide receiver one for the Ravens. Yeah, between the run-first approach and Mark Andrews really coming on as maybe the best tight end in the league last year, I think that they, even though he's going to be the wide receiver one, he might not really attract wide receiver one attention, especially beginning of the season because he doesn't really have the notoriety of other top wide receivers. So, yeah, a Bateman breakout year I think is definitely on the books. Yeah, I'm going to throw out another receiver that we both liked coming out uh, who kind of fell in draft for really unknown reasons and who had a stellar second half to the season, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown mm-hmm. for the Detroit Lions. I think that he's also going to be the Lions wide receiver one, and at least until uh, Jameson Williams gets up to full speed. But I think once Jameson Williams gets back especially, he's going to draw some attention from defenses. And Amon, Ra- Amon Ross St. Brown, He's a really well-rounded receiver, like we've mentioned in the past, and he just is a really good route runner, uh, really good with the football in his hands, really good job getting open, and I think he's a really reliable target for Jared Goff in an offense that doesn't have a ton of star power. Obviously, they have De- uh, DeAndre Swift in the backfield, but you know, besides that, I don't think there's a lot going on with that Lions offense, and I think he might be a, the star of the show at least early on in the season. And then I think he'll be able to carry that through uh, the rest of his second season. Yeah, I totally agree on that one. And I think talking about breakouts, the, the biggest question is this big quarterback class 
that saw five go in the first round last year. And really, let's say Mac Jones lived up to expectations his first year. Another guy, Davis Mills, went in the third round, lived up to expectations. But the first four guys drafted really didn't. And that's Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars, Zach Wilson of the Jets, Trey Lance of the 49ers, and Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. So, Alex, do you think that year two is going to be a big leap for these guys or for some of them and not others? How are you seeing that situation, which I think is a really fascinating storyline heading into the season? Yeah, so I think the guy that might make the biggest leap, um, well, I mean, Trey Lance is going to make a big leap regardless of how he plays because he didn't play at all in year one. Um, or so a couple, I'm really a couple games. Consider – that's true. Yeah, a few games. I'm not really going to consider Trey Lance too much. I think he's going to have a good season. Uh, they have a lot of talent around him in San Francisco. But to me, of the guys that you know played a lot in their rookie season, uh, I think Zach Wilson has the best opportunity to make a big leap because the Jets have put so much talent around him uh, in that Jets offense. They added to that offensive line a little bit in free agency. They brought in a potential wide receiver one in Garrett Wilson. Him and Elijah Moore showed a lot of improvement towards the end of their, their rookie season. Uh, they brought in Brees Hall as a running back. So I think they have added a lot of talent for him. Uh, I think it's really all up to him now. And based on, you know, how I felt about him scouting him, my opinion hasn't really changed too much uh, because of just one rookie season. I would expect him to take a big leap. Yeah, Wilson's last season at BYU was maybe the best single season of quarterback tape I've ever watched in the last like six years among college prospects. Uh, I think it was understandable that he had his struggles his rookie year because, you know, he was moving from a BYU team where most weeks his offense was just better than the opposing defense. That was plain and simple. And he just was walking on water that year. And so he attempted some things that you really can't attempt in the NFL. And so we saw him try to do too much in the NFL, but as the season went on, kind of reined that in, ended up being a lot better when he came back from injury. I think you're right. They've surrounded him. Well, year two is going to be the breakout. And now the, the one quarterback who got picked ahead of him, Trevor Lawrence, we all know how hyped up he's been his whole life, really, ever since he was, you know, early in high school, where we knew that he was probably going to be destined to be the number one overall pick. But he was just in a dumpster fire of a situation last year with Urban Meyer as head coach. You know, every report that came out about Meyer and what was going on in that locker room and around that building is just really surprising that he had the that opportunity for most of the season to be that coach. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback prospect, but I mean, any rookie quarterback is a rookie quarterback. You can't have that toxic of an environment and, and that bad of a coach, quite frankly, and succeed as a rookie. I think that now, you know, fresh start, full off season to really like dig into his tape, improve. We're going to see the Trevor Lawrence that we thought we were going to see, and he's going to take a good step forward. I don't think either Wilson or Lawrence is going to be, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league yet, but I think they're both going to be solid NFL quarterbacks, which is a huge jump from what, where they were last year. Yeah, I completely agree with your take on Lawrence. I, I expect them to also take a big step forward. Uh, the reason I mentioned Wilson before Lawrence was because I feel like Wilson was helped a lot, helped out a lot more by the Jets. If you look mm -hmm. at the Jaguars' depth chart, I mean, their wide receivers are Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and a guy that we liked a few years ago in LaVisca Chenault. Mm -hmm. No one that really jumps off the page um, mm -hmm. in Jacksonville. So I think. But there's Travis Etienne coming there back. There is that's Travis Etienne. I'm, I'm going to bring him up in a second. But in regards to our wide receivers, 
Um, I don't think he's going to get a, as much help as Zach Wilson will, but we both mm-hmm. love Trevor Lawrence's tape. I still think he's the best quarterback um, in the draft class, obviously not from his uh, his rookie season, but from his, his uh, college tape. So I expect to see Lawrence also take a big step forward. And you um, brought up Travis Etienne, so I'm going to bring up him now. He's another one of the guys that I expect to have a breakout season. Obviously, he was out all of his rookie season, um, but he was a really talented running back coming out of uh, college. He was our second running back behind Najee Harris, who was just really, really good, dominant in college, and we saw that his rookie year in the NFL. ETN brings a little bit of a different skill set. He's a really good receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be surprised with the talent that they have in that wide receiver room that he is almost plays a hybrid wide receiver running back role, almost like the opposite of Debo Samuel, how Debo Samuel was a wide receiver. They used him as a running back a lot. ETN might be a running back that gets used as a wide receiver a lot. I wouldn't be shocked to see him have 700 yards receiving just because of the talent in that wide receiver room and his connection with Trevor Lawrence. Obviously they went to college together. Um, so they have a really good connection there. So I would not be shocked to see Travis Etienne, 700 yards receiving, 700 yards rushing, a 1,400 yards from scrimmage guy in his second year. Man, I, I totally agree with you. I think Travis Etienne could end up going to the Pro Bowl next year. That That's how high his ceiling is. As you said, Lawrence struggled his, his rookie year. He's getting back his star college running back, Travis Etienne, who is a great receiver. He's going to lean on him heavily. Now, I think the one quarterback we've yet to mention of last year's first-round class is Justin Fields. And, man, I, I just scratched my head all offseason seeing the moves and really the lack of moves from the Chicago Bears to help him out. I think he was in that territory as a quarterback prospect where I really liked him, and I thought he was deserving of a high first-round pick. But, I, I mean, and few quarterbacks are of the, this caliber, but I, I didn't think he was – the type of guy who can transcend any situation to become a top NFL quarterback. He was going to need the right coaching and the right supporting cast to develop correctly. And we saw his rookie year, he he was, you know, honestly pretty subpar. And there's a lot of things mechanically that he needs work on. There was, especially his internal clock was too slow coming out. And I was really hoping that they would commit the off season to really helping Justin Fields uh, take the next step as a quarterback in the NFL, the first move they made was signing Matt Eberflus as their head coach, which, you know, I think it's totally fine to do that, but that kind of set the tone for the offseason in which they were not prioritizing the offense and Justin Fields enough. Their wide receiver room right now, after having lost Allen Robinson, is scarily thin. Darnell Mooney is the number one wide receiver, and I think he'd be on very few teams in the NFL, even though he's a good player. And they they had a couple second round draft picks and neglected the offense and then picked Vilas Jones in the third round, who is 25 years old and never had a one that never had a 1000 yard receiving season in college. And I think is just a gadget player. So fields didn't get the help he needs. And I think he might struggle again and fail to take this breakout year. uh, Like some of these other quarterbacks. Yeah. It's really unfortunate for Justin Fields in my opinion, because like I mentioned, we saw the jets go out, help Zach Wilson, uh, even the Jaguars did their best to help Trevor Lawrence. They brought in Doug Peterson, who's an offensive head coach. They signed Christian Kirk to a big contract, even though I don't agree with it. Um, so they did things that they thought can help uh, Trevor Lawrence. It, it just seems like the Bears kind of ignored that. 
And I think that Justin Fields is a talented quarterback. I think he has potential to be a franchise quarterback, but I just don't – I'm not sure that he's going to be able to improve very much this season based on what has been put around him. Yeah. So do you think on the defensive side of the ball – there's a guy you're really confident in to take a big step forward next year. Yeah, so the guy I'm most confident in is Jalen Phillips, the defensive end for the Miami Dolphins. And we saw mm-hmm. flashes last season of how good he can be. He had two or three games where he had multiple sacks. Mm-hmm. I'm 99% sure that he was the rookie sack leader from the defensive end position. Obviously, mm-hmm. no, Micah Parsons led all rookies in sacks, but – as a defensive end, I'm 99% sure it was Jalen Phillips. Um, and we saw, you know, he's got some great pass rushing moves. I really enjoyed watching him play in college. I thought he showed a lot of skill with his hand fighting. The biggest concern for me were all of his injuries. Uh, and he seemed to stay fairly healthy in his rookie season. And I expect him expect to see him take a huge leap in year two and, you know, potentially be the, the best second-year defensive end. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, but there's also a couple other second-year defensive ends that I think are going to take a big step forward. Quiddy Pay was my guy in the 2021 draft class. He flashed too, and I think he's going to really put it together this year. And then a couple other guys, Adafi Owe for the uh, Ravens, really came on strong. And he was so raw coming out of Penn State. He didn't record a sack in his uh, last season playing there, but he was an impact player, made some big plays at big moments in Baltimore. And I think that he, as a full-time starter, he could really explode on the scene. And the last defensive end, I think it might really have the biggest breakout of all of them because he wasn't really that much of an impact player last year was Joe Tryon. We saw a couple flashes, but he was really barred by other guys on the depth chart. And now he might be a starter this year. And uh, he's another guy who I think was raw coming out, but had the traits. And, you know, now he might in his second year be putting it together. And spots on that depth chart have opened up. I'm pretty sure Jason yeah. Pierre Paul is not re-signed with them. So I think, like you mentioned, he has the opportunity to be an every down player. And I think going into a second season, he should be a little bit more refined. Like you mentioned, he had those traits. He just hadn't put it really all together yet, um, in my opinion. But he was in a really great room for that. Obviously, Jason Pierre Paul, even a guy like Indomitian Sue, even though he plays a different position along the defensive line, I'm sure he can help out a little bit with, you know, teaching him some things. So, yeah, I mean, really, those were the four defensive ends drafted in the first round, and I think all of them uh, will da- at least take a big step forward um, in 2022. Yeah. They're, as I've said time and time again, they are going to kill the narrative that was going around that year that it was a poor defensive end class. There wasn't a top-end guy, but there was five, six guys that had pro ball potential. And, I, you know, at the end of their careers, each of them could have a pro ball. So I, I, I definitely think that – we'll be seeing a lot of this group of defensive ends this year. And another guy on the defensive side of the- two, two good years in a row of really good, really yeah. talented, really deep defensive oh, end yeah. classes. Totally. Actually, there's another defensive end in last year's class that you really liked Ronnie Perkins. Oh really yes, that's right. To get onto the field as a, a Patriot last year. You think he has a, also a, a breakout year in store or not? I, it's really hard to tell what, what Bill Belichick's going to do. I, I really did like his tape coming out. Um, but just, I wasn't really, I was a little confused with the pick of him going to the Patriots. Um, I thought he was a little bit small and I wasn't sure how Bill Belichick was going to use him. Obviously he didn't use him a ton year one. And, you know, I I think maybe if he was on another team where I felt more confident that he would get used more, um, I would predict a breakout year for him, but just with Bill Belichick running the defense, you never know what's going to happen. 
Yeah. I was, I was going to say that you know, the biggest question mark where, you know, part of me thinks there's a breakout year coming and part of me doesn't really know is Caleb Farley, the cornerback for the Titans. He was a guy who both of us were considering as the CB1 in the 2022 draft class. It was, you know, do we like Sertan's polish or do we want to go with Farley's upside? Because I mean, Farley has the size the athleticism, the ball skills to become a top, top NFL quarter cornerback. But the big issue has been injuries. He missed the last couple games of the 2019 college football season. He was the first opt out of the 2020 season. And then he only played in two games last year because he was injured the rest of the year. So he hasn't played more than a couple games of competitive football since 2019, which is why, you know, I, I kind of struggle to see it, but at the same time, it looks like he's healthy now. And so if he can somehow stay healthy, he's got all the talent in the world to make an impact and and get go, come through on his talent. So what, what do you see happening with Caleb Farley in Tennessee this season? I see a breakout season for Farley. I, I think if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a breakout season. Um, obviously, if he gets injured again, you know I, it's going to be really tough for him to have a, a fruitful fruitful NFL career. But if he does stay healthy, I think we could really see him become a, a young star cornerback in the league. He's got the athletic traits. He's got the ball skills. He was a former wide receiver, which I think is really mm-hmm. beneficial, especially in today's NFL. Um, I think he's got really fluid hips. And I, like you mentioned, I also was considering him being my cornerback one. What really held me back was the injuries. And, you know, I'm glad that that held me back um, from making him my cornerback one. Because uh, Patrick Sertan has been a beast, uh, or was a beast in his rookie year, but I expect you know big things from Farley, assuming that he can stay healthy. Yeah, I really hope for him that his health will be staying there, so he can make that difference. And now I, I can't believe we've gotten 18 minutes into this podcast without without you talking about a specific guy. Because I'm gonna just gonna let you take it from here. There was a guy that you loved last year before anyone else did, and he could be primed for a breakout year. Yeah, this was. If you guys have been listening to the podcast for at least a year now, you know my guy last year was Tommy Tremble. I mean, I was on him since January. I was like, this guy is going to be good. He's got all that athletic talent. He just was used as a blocker at Notre Dame. Um, And we didn't see him make it on the field too, too much uh, for the Panthers. We saw him being used primarily as a blocker. Um, But I've, you know, seen a lot of people projecting him as the tight end one in Carolina, and I see no reason as to why he wouldn't be. I think he's the most talented guy there. Um, I think, you know, the Panthers bringing in Baker Mayfield is going to make it a little bit better in the quarterback room. And I I think he's got all the talent in the world to be the, you know, the tight end two from that draft class. Obviously, Kyle Pitts is in a league of his own. But besides Kyle Pitts, I can see Tommy Trumbull being that, you know, other really good tight end from this draft class. I think that year um, – that he got playing last year, getting his feet into the NFL offense, being able to learn uh, how to, you know, run all these routes. I'm hoping that this offseason he's going to be able to get a lot more reps running routes and stuff and not be just being used as a blocker. So I'm I'm expecting big things from him. Um, and he was my guy, and he will always be my guy going forward. And I'll live or die on the Tommy Trumbull Hill. I, I love it. I, I love all the energy, and I, I agree with you. I think that Tremble came into the league as a guy who was a, a really good blocker, both in terms of technique, strength, effort, just an NFL-ready blocker, but he wasn't an NFL-ready receiver. 
He had the traits and the flashes, just needed to really get up to speed. And it's very normal for rookie tight ends to not make an impact in the receiving game. But now he's being listed as their starting tight end. Baker Mayfield actually has a history of targeting tight ends. There is hasn't really been a top, top tight end in, in the Browns organization. But, you know, if you look at Austin Hooper, David Njoku, even Harrison Bryant has gotten looks, especially in the in the red zone. He's always got a, a few tight ends to rely on and Tremble's the best of the bunch right now in Carolina. So I think he's going to have a, a breakout year. And, you know, maybe it's only half of one. And then the next year he takes a big step forward and becomes, you know, a top 10 tight end in the league. But there's definitely going to be that that first big step forward this year coming. And, you know, there was another tight end that you liked uh, in that draft class. And I'll let you talk about him for a little bit. Yeah, Brevin Jordan, who plays for the, the Texans, was – Actually, well, I think my tight end two after Kyle Pitts, you know, there were some character concerns that came out like right before the draft after we had finalized our tight end rankings. But, you know, the bottom line was that on tape, I saw the tight end two in the draft class. I saw a good blocking ability and refined athletic potential in the uh, in the passing game. I really think that he's got real route running ability. He's really nimble and fast for a tight end. And, down the line, he made some plays for the Texans. He had three touchdowns, which for a day three rookie uh, tight end is is really high. And he's going to be the tight end one. The only other guys in, in that room are uh, Farrow Brown and Tegan Quarantino. I don't think that they're nearly as talented as he is. And Davis Mills is going to have to be looking beyond Brandon Cooks. He, you know, he really loved Cooks and had a great rapport with him last year. But I think with Brevin Jordan coming into his second year in the league, with his abilities, I think that he's going to have a big breakout. And I, I wanted to slide in here a guy who, you know, didn't go high, went in the fifth round, Jordan did, but I think that a breakout's coming and he's going to be really relevant this year. Even if the Texans are going to struggle a bit, he'll be getting a lot of looks. I think another guy in that Texas offense that's worth throwing out, Nico Collins, the wide receiver mm -hmm. off from Michigan, I think that, you know, he was a third-round pick. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a second-round grade on him, and I think, you know, he has a potential to be that, you know, wide receiver two behind Brandon Cook. So I'm not saying he's going to have a breakout season, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, he has a good season uh, for a second-year wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, Nick Cazario traded a couple fourth-round picks to go get him in the third after spending his first pick as a general manager on Davis Mills. So he definitely thought really highly of Nico Collins, and I assume the coaching staff did too. So, you know, there's definitely some people in that organization that are fans of his. And the last guy that I want to throw out, uh, I know you liked him even more than I did coming out uh, of the draft, and that's Javante Williams, the running back for the Denver Broncos. I mean, he was a beast. We saw him be towards the top of the league in broken tackles, even though he had about half the touches as everyone else towards the top of that list. I mean, he's just a great runner, got great contact balance, Um the thing that bothers me is that the, the Broncos brought back Melvin Gordon. I think that's disappointing because I thought that Javante Williams could be a running back one on his own. Uh, it seems like he might have to share some touches with Melvin Gordon, but to me that doesn't really bother me um, because I still think he's going to have a really good season, and he's a guy that I could see uh, make the Pro Bowl as well. Oh, yeah. Javante Williams is, is such a good player. It, he it, it was head-scratching all year for me that, you know, they kept splitting touches between Gordon and Williams. But long-term, you know, you give him less touches now, his career will last a little longer. But now the Broncos were a middling team last year. Now they're I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL after getting Russell Wilson. 
they should just unleash Javante Williams, make him the workhorse, use him extensively in the receiving game. He led the league in broken tackles last year when he only had 50% of the carries between him and, and Melvin Gordon. I think Williams is definitely poised for a breakout. Both, I think the trio of Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams are going to be so, so good next year. And you know, my only regret is not giving that first-round grade to Williams. I, I was He was my last guy that I was really considering for a first-round grade. I was like, you know, I already got a lot of first-round grades. Do I give it to him? I was like, you know, he's my third running back. Am I going to give three running backs a first-round grade? And I ended up giving him the 2.0, so the highest second-round grade possible. I think he's gonna he's gonna show me that I, I really should have trusted my gut because I loved him right from December before anyone else thought of him as a top three receiver in the class, and I, he's gonna have a really good year as you've been saying. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised to see the Broncos almost hold off with him in the beginning of the season. I think everyone in that Broncos organization is expecting to make a long playoff run, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised, you know seven, eight games in when they really start picking up the pace with Javante Williams and let Melvin Gordon take more of the bulk of the carries in the first half of the season just to keep Javante Williams fresh for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he could, his breakout could really come in the playoffs. I could see him just having like a couple 150-yard games in a row to go to like the AFC Championship game or something like that. that like Sony Michelle did a few years ago. Yeah, with yeah the or, or even like Damian Williams. You always see a running back, sometimes pretty not very expected, but there's always a running back that really has a great playoff push. And, you know, that definitely could be Javante Williams. That logic makes a lot of sense. So we spent the whole podcast talking about guys that we think are going to break out. Do you want to give me a guy that, you know, there's a lot of talk he's going to break out. He was a, a highly drafted rookie that didn't live up to expectations, but you think that's going to continue. You don't see a breakout for this guy. Is there anyone for you? Yeah, we, we picked the same guy, Kadarius Tony. Um, Obviously, I don't really like talking about how guys, you know, won't break out or yeah. won't take a step forwards. Um, but there's there has to be guys that do that. And Kadarius Tony, in my opinion, I think he was overdrafted. Uh, first off, he went twenty, um, and I had a, I think a late first round grade on him. Um, I don't really see how he fits into the Giants' offense. In all honesty, they have a new coaching staff. Who knows if that GM, that head coach even really wants him we heard rumors that they were trying to trade him uh before the draft um and then they took a wide receiver that was very similar to him on day two um and i just think that he's a gadget player he's not a wide receiver one um and i think when he was where he was picked he was kind of picked to be that wide receiver one for them and i don't think he'll ever be a wide receiver or a true wide receiver one um i i think he's got you know that wider wide receiver two that's really good with the ball in his hands but can't really do everything um and i just think you know maybe if he went was picked in the second round he might have a better chance of staying on the roster just because of his production and where he was picked but i just see more of the same from Kadarius tony yeah i like that last point the expectations are just so much different when you're a first round pick and i think that's part of why it's been such a turbulent offseason for tony he's been involved in so many trade talks and currently he's still on the Giants roster you know you've got some reporters saying yeah they, they count on him they really do but that's hard to believe when as you said they picked Wandale Robinson who is I think going to be what they wanted Tony to be and Tony has even higher potential because as athletic as Robinson is Tony is freakishly athletic like he he is a human joystick he the the shiftiness and the quickness the, the elusiveness are are really special but 
he never developed into a, f- a complete receiver at Florida. I gave him a second round grade, hope knowing that, but hoping that, you know, he has that potential and disappointed as a rookie flashed, but overall just wasn't productive enough throughout the year. And I just, I feel like all the, the negative talk around him and, and including the trade talks and the selection of Robinson kind of foreshadows a, another disappointing year from Tony. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that, you know, gets traded at the trade deadline just because the Giants want to move on. And maybe there's a contender that's looking for a wide receiver two or wide receiver three. And I think that's the best spot for Tony as well to be, you know, not the star receiver, but a guy that can get the ball in his hands and make plays. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that would that would be ideal for him. Maybe he, he does need that, that fresh start. Uh, but, I um, mean, obviously we're, we're saying that, but we do hope the best for him, man. And it's been, it's been fun talking about these guys. Is there anyone else you want to mention or you really got your guys that you think are going to be breaking out? I I think I'm good. I mentioned, you know, five or six guys that, you know, I have full trust in. You have any last minute toss ins? No, oh, I'll give you one, you know, deep, deep sleeper. Tylon Wallace, fourth round pick from Oklahoma State last year. He only got caught two balls his rookie season, but. I really liked him coming out, thought he was a complete receiver, gave him a second round grade. He's in that Ravens wide receiver room, which is pretty bare. He could emerge and be productive after a, a, a silent rookie season. Yes, I, that's a really good pick. He's a guy that I liked as well. And, you know, Bateman and Wallace, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, uh, potentially for the Ravens in 2022. And thanks everyone for watching. Uh, we're glad to be back after a little summer hiatus and ready to hop right into football season.